Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, we decided to do a little video today along with the audio today. And uh, so anyways, we have the owner and founder of Encore Golf. And Steve's actually not from Buffalo, but he resides in Buffalo. And before I totally mess up Steve's bio and his story and where he comes from, Steve, is it okay if I just kind of give the mic right over to you and you can kind of tell people that don't know you what your story is, who you are, and what you want them to know about you? Sure, sure. So from, from Long Island, I grew up um, in Smithtown, New York. Um, always, always been a golfer, which is kind of how I got into Encore Golf, to founding that and growing that business. Um, at, at basically at 14 years old, I, um, had my first job at Smithtown Landing Country Club. It was a public course on Long Island and, um, just fell in love with the game of golf. My, my father was a golfer and, um, I, you know, begged him for a set of golf clubs, um, finally got them and, and just got the job at the, the golf course working, working the range and, and picking golf balls, basically doing anything I could to get free golf. And over the years at the course, I, I worked in maintenance. So I'd be at the course four in the morning, cutting the greens before the golfers got out there. Um, eventually I was teaching uh, junior camps. And then I went, I went to school at NYU um, for college and studied economics and Spent a few years after after college at Deutsche Bank and was working in investment banking and trading, but wasn't really passionate about that field. And the financial crisis hit in 08, 09. I was looking for um, a fresh start and I met my business partner, Brett Blakely. We had, we had actually been friends a few years before um, we decided to start Encore, but um, he knew I was a golfer. He knew, you know, I played in college. All my buddies were golfers. And he mentioned the ball that Doug Dufault in Buffalo, New York, who's our chief engineer, inventor, scientist had developed. And it was the hollow metal core golf ball. Um, and golf balls historically have been solid rubber. So this was really, um, a unique departure from what golf balls have traditionally been. And, um, you know, I said to Brett, you know, how can we get involved in, and um, help market, help sell this technology? Because Doug really wasn't interested in doing that. Um, and there was really not, you, you didn't see the ball in stores or on shelves. So that was really how we got started was, was seeing, seeing an opportunity in a really cool technology and, and wanting to advance it, brand it, market it, and and grow the business. And ever since then, um, we've continued to, to really innovate on the golf ball and, and come out with world, world class, um, designs and products, um, tour, tour level golf balls at 
really, um, really affordable prices and, and just try to get better each year with, with the technology. Yeah. So I've already written down like six questions. <laughs> so my first question is, um, I actually want to ask two questions so I don't forget them because my ADD just kicks in left and right. So I want to make sure I ask these. Number one, when, what year did you start this? Like, where you actually like, I don't know if you want to call it DBA or LLC. When did you officially start that? And number two, what got you more excited um, to start a company with a golf ball that you absolutely love? Or are you more, more like me where you're excited to build a vision or branding of a business? Um, first question back around 2009 is when we um, had the idea for the business. But, and that was in New York City. It wasn't until really 2011 that we ended up acquiring the patents and technology from Doug and, and really starting full-time on the business. And, and we, uh, Brett had moved to Buffalo from New York City um, in 2010, and I ended up coming closer to 2011. Um, and that's, that's really when we got started. And, and remind me your second question again. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, so were you more excited about like, well, I love this golf ball so much, you know, the, the, you know, maybe the science behind it. I, I, I love using this so much. I'm just so excited to get these in other people's hands. Or was it more of like, for me, I'm, I'm a builder, not a sustainer. So I love building something. So was the excitement of building it or branding it? Or was it more exciting about like this golf ball is just so amazing. I have to, it could be both, I guess, to be a cop out, but Maybe if you could kind of veer towards one, if you don't, if you don't mind me asking that. I, I think it was, it was a combination of, of wanting to start our own businesses and really seeing the potential of this unique technology. Um, we were, you know, in early 20s. Um, Brett was a little older than I. And, you know, neither of us had really started a, a business. So um, I think we, we were pretty green and um, we thought it would be kind of an overnight success. Um, and we, we, neither of us realized what, what a long kind of journey and, um, you know, how much time and perseverance and effort it would take to get things rolling and um, off the ground. So when would you, when would you say, I mean, maybe it's a little tough question to answer, especially off the top of your head, but when did you like go like full time where you're like, I'm done with my other job. Like this is my full time thing. Back, that would have been back in early 2011. Okay. So a couple of years transition. So for our listeners out there, you're the think I have to be full in or I'm all out, which sometimes it works. And we all know sometimes we, it's a little premature. So, so I think, yeah. I think you're, you're, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, no, because when, when I first moved to Buffalo, we were, um, Brett and I were both doing catering on the side, yeah. and we were, we were helping a caterer, working parties, bartending, serving, and, and um, so I actually forgot about that, but, um, you know, it's, you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of make ends meet until um, you can establish some revenue or get some investment dollars, so we were both kind of doing some side hustles, um, so that we could pay the bills, pay the rent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I, I think that's totally normal. So I think and sometimes, especially for people that are really newer to the entre entrepreneurial or business world, they think, you know, it's just from zero to, to 100. It's just not true. Most cases, very rare that happens. There, there is a there is a sometimes it looks like this, right? So yep. sometimes it's a very slow, methodical, you know, wave up there. But 
A couple of questions I have written down here, and this is kind of a random question. Actually, I'll say that to later because I, I know there's other questions I want to ask, but what made you think your business partner was a good business partner? And the reason I ask that is for our listeners out there that ever think about partnering with somebody, what do you think they should look for in a business partner? Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a marathon, right? Not a race. So you need to um, really be comfortable with that person. You need to understand um, kind of their background and, and their goals. Um, you know, they, they always say, put it, put it in writing. You know, if something does happen and one of the founders wants to leave, you have a plan in place. So, you know, okay, if after a year or two years, you decide, you know, you've had enough, um, you know, all those, all those things you really don't want to think about, um, do it, even though it might be uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're spending more time at, at work and your job than, than you are in a lot of cases with your family. Um, so you've got to really prioritize, um, you know, who your founder is. And with Brett, it was good because he um, was definitely more the outgoing and, and um, you know, interested in, in marketing, um, arts, and, and the visual. And I was kind of the opposite in a lot of ways. And um, I think we had a good yin, yin and yang to start. Well, that's so important, right? And yeah. uh, for example, like it even goes to like even out of my business, you know, relationships often business, you know, opposite people attract. Like my wife is very like methodical and analytical. I'm very like, no, let's just do it right now. And she thinks <laughs> internally, I think outwardly. <laughs> so yeah. we drive each other crazy, but it really works out because of that. I think it, it translation, trans, uh, transitions to business pretty well. So that being said, um, we talked, you know, a week or so ago before this recording, getting to know each other a little bit, Steve. For our listeners out there, you know, they didn't know this conversation happened, but basically uh, we talked about, hey, do you guys go to Dick's Sporting Goods? Do you guys want to get in the Walmarts or, you know, like big corporations? Because sometimes people think, well, that's where you want to be, right? And, and you had some really interesting thoughts on that and that journey. So I'd love for you to share that if you don't mind, Steve. Yeah, so I think we, we kind of put the cart ahead of the horse and thought if we had the distribution, it, the product would sell itself. It was, it was in, you know, great golf ball, but without kind of the marketing and branding um, awareness, that, that wasn't the way to go. You know, so we did, we did do a trial with Dick's and it was 25 stores. And um, I think we had 90 stores for Wegmans. Um, and, you know, the ball sold well and it was good visibility. But ultimately, we, about a year ago, pivoted to focusing on the direct-to-consumer channel. And um, that allowed us to have our resources devoted to the online business and, and managing the relationship with the customer. With, with Dick's, for example, you, you don't know who's buying your product um, and the margins aren't as good. And the payment terms aren't, you know, aren't as good. So there was, and there was, there was a shift in buying behavior for, for the public, for golfers. Um, more and more business was being done online. You, you don't really need to be in store, you know, to, for example, with closing, clothing to try it on, right? 
Um, with a golf ball, you could get a sleeve off our site and try it out next time you golfed. And then if you liked it, you could come back and buy more. Um, and with everything that's going on with, with um, COVID, you know, it's the retail is, is proving to be really challenging, even for, for those established businesses that, that have been doing it really well. So, um, so yeah, we were, we're, you know, went from more of the traditional trying to hit, you know, home runs with big accounts um, to trying to hit a lot of singles yeah. with, with your online sales where you're, you're just trying to sell um, a dozen, a couple dozen um, and do it, you know, a million times as opposed to just trying to sell a million dozen to a Wegmans or to a Dick's sporting goods, you know? So it's, yeah. It's, I mean, talked about profit margins. It's just, you know, they're basically they're buying in bulk and then even the profit doesn't even work out. It's from what I would gather, if I remember correctly, Steve, yep. you know that? yeah, which yeah. Is, you know, it's not, it's not as good business. <laughs> so I understand. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, and being a, you know, a startup early stage company, to spend money to, to drive customers into someone else's store, you know, when you can drive them to your website, it's, you know, obviously for us, it was more desirable to, to bring them to our website. Hey, really quick. If you love what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review and rate it. It takes 10 seconds, but it means so much to me. Let others know about it. If you know a Western New York entrepreneur who is killing it right now and should be interviewed, please introduce them to me. Again, I want to keep this thing going, so please leave a review and share it on your social media platform of your choice so others know about this. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. So one of the questions that, um, that you know, that I always ask just for our listeners out there, I always ask for people to give me questions that they love being asked because I want to know their expertise. I want to know what they seem knowledgeable or are knowledgeable in. And I want to know what they want to talk about because it's not just about what I want to talk about. So one of the questions you put was talking about direct to consumers with so DDC. And, 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 and um, so basically, let me go back to it. So what are the metrics that you track as a direct to consumer company? So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So the, the big things are our website visits, um, our conversion rate, and you know, depending on your business, that's, that's going to change if you're selling, you know, a car versus, you know, golf balls, there'll be different metrics or benchmarks. Um, but we're looking at our conversion rate. Um, and we're also trying to understand new, new customers versus um, repeat. So ultimately you can, you can only sell to so many new customers, right? You've got to, you've got to have a product or a service that's sticky and that people after they buy it want to come back and and buy more of um so we're tracking that rate you know what what percent fall off and after their first purchase what percent come back um you know on the ad side we're looking at our ROAS, which is your return on ad spend um the, to see if it is profitable you know you don't you don't want to spend you know, and, and create, a, and that's going to, it's going to depend on your margin too, what your return as numbers need to be. In our case, it's closer to a three X return on ad spend. So we need to be making three times what we're spending with, with our margins. Um, so we're, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in any of those digital metrics, but I've tried to learn about them. We've got 
we've brought on some expertise. Um, Mike, Mike Bongiovanni is kind of our digital web guy. Um, and we've got an agency disruptive out of Utah that handles all the ad buying and is looking at the metrics daily um, and the, the ROAS and all of that. So, um, but I think a lot of the entrepreneurs out there um, just kind of getting a handle of your website traffic, your conversion, um, you know, and looking at your industry, what, what should the benchmark be? Can you exceed it? You know, or are you below it? And what can you do to get that up? And then, um, you know, your repeats versus new customers. Um, and, you know, fortunately, all, all of our metrics are, are, are trending in the right direction and pretty good. So that helps. Yeah, and I'm sure that you've learned a, a ton. So uh, any, uh, if you don't mind me asking, any mistakes you want to admit? Because I mean, you know, if I, you know, if I had a dollar for time I made a mistake, I'd probably be out of business. So, um, so at least I'll just speak for me. So that being said, any mistakes that you think that other entrepreneurs can learn from from what they're they're hearing here? Yeah, I think kind of the the product market fit is really important, and um, with some of our early designs around the hollow core. Um, I think we, we launched products maybe too early before we had feedback, um, you know, and then you hear, you hear some of the modern startup methodology, you know, perfect is kind of the enemy and just launch. And um, so, you know, wh whether that was the right decision back then or not, but I think um, the ball didn't do as well as we would have liked because, um, while it was very accurate and, and a lot straighter, it felt hard and the better player um, couldn't get around that feel. Mm -hmm. So even though the performance was there. So, you know, we ultimately learned a lot from that. And fortunately we were able to, to develop the um, perimeter weighting technology while also maintaining a great feel. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we were able to um, overcome that, but, a lot of times, you, you know, you only get one shot, yeah. with, you know, with your early investors or your friends and family money. Um, so that, that was definitely something that we, we would probably solicit some more feedback before we launched um, that, that early ball years ago. No, that makes complete sense. So um, one of the questions you talked about was pivoting. So my, my dog might bark here for a moment. My mailman just came by, but if you're listening, that's, that's the way we are right now in quarantine. But at what point in your business did you realize you needed to pivot, Steve? Um, well, probably the most recent one was about a year ago um, when we, we realized um, the multi-channel sales approach with trying to please um, pro shops, um, retail, you know, I mentioned Dick's and Wegmans, but even, even in the pro shop channel, you know, we were competing against Titleist, TaylorMade, TaylorMade, Callaway. And the pro would often say, you know, I only, I've signed an exclusive with, you know, XYZ. It, it only allows me to two other, you know, competitors. So the shelf space was limited. Um, there'd be kick, you know, the, the companies would provide, um, you know, financial incentives to the pro to push their product. Um, so we, we couldn't, at the time, we couldn't really compete with all that um, 
you know, all the additional expense plus a reduced margin. So we, we pivoted, as I mentioned, to the online direct to consumer model. And, um, you know, you, there's just so much benefit to, to being able to talk to your customer and you've got, you know, the email, um, you'll, you get direct feedback, testimonials, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that comes right to you. And, um, so we're, we're fortunate in that we made that move about a year ago and it was prior to that about 70% of our revenue was from the wholesale channel. So Dick's Wegmans pro shops, and then the other 30% was online. Um, and then as it's been a huge shift for you. Yeah. <laughs> Huge, huge shift yeah. for you, yeah. Was that then, a slow transition or was that the numbers, um, a very fast one? Um, I'd say over the course of a year, we were able to flip the numbers pretty much completely. The, you know, 70% online, 30% retail. And, and the top line, it definitely lagged a little bit. And then um, eventually it, it caught up and exceeded years past numbers, but it, you know, it wasn't something that just happened overnight by any means. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> At least so, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel better, but it makes it more human, right? Yeah. So what do you think has been the biggest surprise for you throughout the last 11 years for you? And then maybe a surprise that you think our listeners could learn from. Well, early, early on, it would just be, you know, we thought it was going to be an overnight success. You know, we were young, um, we didn't have it, the experience. And so realizing, you know, for founders out there, you know, if you're thinking about a business, you know, having that long-term horizon, because it usually, you know, 10, a 10 years, um, you know, over, you know, an overnight success, 10 years in the making, sorry, I butchered that. Um, but usually, you know, you, you read about these success stories, the IPOs and, you know, they've been working at those companies oftentimes for, you know, decade, you know, and longer. Mm -hmm. And so you got to be prepared for that. And then I guess how, how fast things can change, right. With the virus and how our, the entirety of like our routines and everyday life was just flipped on its head, you know, in, in the span of a month. And <laughs> everyone's, you know, rethinking their, their business models and um, how, how can they conduct, you know, business going forward in a safe manner and what does the new normal look like? So yeah, the, the speed, I guess, you know, kind of interesting in that one, one sense, it's, it's about timing long-term and then another sense, just how blink of an eye things can really change. Yeah, and I really feel like during this pandemic, it's really separated the uh, the boys from the men. And what I mean by that is innovators. Some people just like the you know, rest on laurels or what has worked the last twenty years. And <clears throat> I would even be safe to say things move so fast now. What even worked twenty months ago doesn't even work. Maybe even twenty weeks in some cases depends on what business you're in. But you re you all have had to pivot in one way or another. And if you haven't pivoted, I mean, unless you're a liquor store, you really haven't. Yeah, everyone has to pivot. Um, so that being said, I, I want to get this question out. It's a really random out of left field question, but so you've worked the golf course as a kid and you seem to really, cause you wanted to get free golf and whatnot. Totally awesome. But have you ever thought about starting your own or owning your own golf course? Yes. Um, you know, we were, we were playing Harvest Hills the other day and, you know, Ross, Ross Salino, who's a lawyer, mm -hmm. um, 
well, most, most people in the area know that, but, um, you know, he bought that course and it's kind of just a fun hobby for him as, as far as I understand, um, you know, for us, um, it would be fun, but, but it's probably not very practical, you yeah. know? <laughs> well, I know um, Ross has Bridget run it and whatnot. So, um, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that helps, right? <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of work, a lot of maintenance. Um, so I, I'd say probably, you know, in, in would I love to? Yes, but, but likely not anytime soon. Yeah. I was just wondering, yeah. was being the lookout for that. So anyways, for people that want to try your golf ball out or want to find out more about your company, um, what's the website they should go to or, or URL? Um, EncoreGolf.com. So it's O-N-C-O-R-E golf.com and social media, every, everything's Encore Golf. So it's, um, but it's Encore with an O, not an E. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Make sure we, we get that out there. So um, I know a ton of business owners that golf. I own a set of uh, custom Callaways, but I'm horrible. So I am all flash, no game. <laughs> so I guess you would say, but Hey, I really appreciate your time, Steve. I know things are busy and things are crazy during this whole pandemic, but I just really appreciate your time. And I want to make sure that if people want to connect or they just connect with your store, or they want to maybe ask questions again that I didn't think of. Um, what's the best way for someone that you feel comfortable putting over the air or video? What's the best way for someone to get a hold of you if they have the to connect with you? I would say LinkedIn's good. You know, if you, if you just Google, you know, my name's Steve Colton. Um, connect on LinkedIn. Um, if you go to the website, my, my email's on there, steveatoncorkgolf.com. Um, yeah, if, so, if someone wants to reach out to you, David, and um, feel free to pass them along to me as well. Yeah, because a lot of times people just, you know, they want to connect and maybe they have similarities in their stories or maybe, again, they just have a really good question like, ah, I should have asked that. So many times you walk away from a conversation and we thought, oh, I should have said this or I should have asked this. And 30 minutes, it goes by very quick as you're probably uh, at least aware of it right now. 30 minutes went by pretty quick. So, yeah, um, yeah again, I just appreciate your time, Steve. And um, I'm sure, obviously, hopefully, we'll, I'm probably not worthy to be on the same golf course as you, but maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll do a friendly wave. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's tee it up when you, when you get a chance. Love All to. Right, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to WNYEntrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.